Welcome to the Election Ride Home for Tuesday, September 24th, 2019. I'm your host, Chris Higgins. Today, the DNC announces its new rules for the November debate. A new Nevada poll gives us some insight. A new New Hampshire poll gives a little help to Gabbard. Alaska Republicans cancel their primary. How to watch tonight's Republican primary debate. Sanders proposes a wealth tax. And today is National Voter Registration Day. Here's what you missed today from the campaign trail. Minus all the impeachment stuff. First up today, the DNC has finally announced its qualifying rules for the November debate. Now, weirdly, we still don't know where or when the November debate will be, but okay, at least now we know the specifics of what candidates need to do in order to be eligible. First up, the grassroots fundraising threshold has gone up again. For the current set of debates, it was set at 130,000, and for November, it will go up to 165,000 people. That's a pretty minor increase, given that the last time this number went up, it doubled from 65,000 donors to 130,000 donors. So, point being, this is actually a pretty minor change. Looking at the data we have right now, lots of candidates have already met this threshold. If you look at folks who already qualified for the September or October debates, including Gabbard and more on that in a moment, only Senator Cory Booker is below that number. We're not yet sure precisely where he is, but it's somewhere above 130 and below 165. Everybody else who's competitive in the field already meets this threshold. Oh yeah, and one more detail is that each candidate needs 600 unique donors in each of 20 states or territories. That shouldn't really be a problem given the overall numbers here. Previously, that threshold was 400, and nobody seemed to have a problem achieving that. Okay, so the next thing is polling. Now candidates need 3% in each of four polls, subject to basically the same rules as the previous set, with some minor changes to which pollsters the DNC approves. These polls have to be either national or in the four early voting states of Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, or Nevada. This is an increase from 2%, and this actually might have a real effect. In the previous set of debate polls, several candidates had trouble exceeding 2% results, or at least relied on some 2% results as key qualifying factors. Included in that list are Castro, Gabbard, and Steyer. However, three other lower polling candidates probably won't have a problem getting in using these rules. Those are Klobuchar, O'Rourke, and Yang, who each were able to gain a bunch of 3% or higher results for the current set of debates. Now, there is also a twist in the polling requirement. A new option has been added. If a candidate can get to 5% in just two early state polls, they're in. Early states are defined in that list that I just mentioned. One other interesting note here is the time period in which these polls have to be released. Reading here from the DNC press release, quote, Each poll must be publicly released between September 13th, 2019 and 11.59 p.m. on the date that marks seven days before the date of the November debate. End quote. And of course, we don't know when the November debate will be held. These things tend to be at least halfway through the month, so we don't yet know whether we're looking at a six-week window or an eight-week window or what. Given the holidays later in November, plus Veterans Day on November 11th, my educated guess is that these November debates will be the week before Thanksgiving. In other words, somewhere between November 18th and 22nd. But that is a guess. The net effect of these new rules is actually pretty easy to predict. 
there is essentially no practical path for a bunch of the previously non-qualified candidates to ever meet these tougher thresholds. That list includes Bennett, Bullock, Delaney, Messam, Ryan, Sestak, and Williamson. At this point, it's hard to imagine any of them staying in this race for much longer. The other notable candidate who is right on the bubble is still Gabbard, and we'll talk a bit more about her status in just a moment. Even if she hits the October debates, the November debates will be a tough thing to get. Though if a bunch of other folks drop out, perhaps she can pick up some of their support. Everything I've heard from Gabbard is that regardless of how even the October polling works out, she is staying in this race for a long time. Now, as for the rest of the candidates, hmm, I don't know. Oh, and let me be super clear, these new requirements are only for November. Expect the December requirements to be even tougher. Next up, one fun fact related to the DNC changes we just talked about is that for a brief moment there, nobody was actually qualified for November. That's simply because there weren't enough polls released in the relevant time period until this morning. A new poll of Nevada by Suffolk slash USA Today slash the Reno Gazette Journal gave some help to a handful of candidates for the November debate. Specifically, it qualified Biden, Buttigieg, Harris, Sanders, and Warren. In addition, Booker and Yang now have two qualifying polls for November, while Klobuchar, O'Rourke, and Steyer each have one. As always, the best place for raw data on this is a Google Docs spreadsheet maintained by reporters at Politico. It now has three tabs. The most recent, of course, is for November. Then you've still got October in that second tab. And then the other tab is historical data about the first two DNC debates. There's a link to that spreadsheet in the show notes, and it lets you see how different candidates fare in each of the qualifying categories. There are also direct links to each poll in case you want to dig into the details. By the way, this poll also counts toward October, and in it, Gabbard only got 1%. So this did not give her the fourth result she was looking for. It did give Steyer a 3% result, though he was already qualified, but that knocks out an earlier 2% result for him, and he is now up to a DNC polling average of 2.5%. Now, in this next item, I reveal to you that, indeed, Gabbard has qualified for October. So, yes, I've been toying with you a little bit this whole time. In a release just minutes before I hit the recording booth, Gabbard got 2% in a new Monmouth poll in New Hampshire. There's probably more to say about that poll tomorrow. For instance, Warren and Biden are up top at 27 and 25%, respectively, but we'll leave that one for tomorrow. So, for y'all who are rooting for either Gabbard to make October, or for a nice, even number two-night split in October with six candidates on each night, the layout looks very clear now. Gabbard will be there along with the newly added Steyer, and now we wait to see how the draw places them on stage. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with BiteClear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? 
Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Next up, and what is quickly becoming a trend, Republicans in Alaska have canceled their primary. They technically call it the presidential preference poll, and it ain't happening in 2020. In a statement to the press, the Alaska Republican Party wrote, quote, Conducting a PPP would serve no useful purpose when we have an incumbent Republican president, such as President Trump, running for the Republican nomination for president. End quote. Now, of course, the field of Republican primary candidates who are debating tonight might disagree. More on that debate in a moment. But this gives me a nice opportunity to play this clip from Republican primary candidate Mark Sanford, the former governor of South Carolina. Here he is in New Hampshire's airport diner talking to Fox News reporter Paul Steinhauser about canceling these primaries. Listen in, and Steinhauser speaks first. So do you think the president, by trying to quash the competition, is scared? I think somebody in his organization is scared, uh, which is why you quash these, these, these nominating contests. Um, otherwise, it makes no sense. Because, again, if you have the chance to lock in a 90% win in the world of politics, you do so. Well, let's talk about percentages, because we got a brand new poll out last night from Fox News, uh, from my, my, my colleagues over there. 86% for Donald Trump, 2% each for you and the two other primary challengers. So, I mean, realistically, can he be beat in the primaries? We're at the beginning of that process. We'll find out. I mean, that, that, that's, that's what contests are about. What I'd say is when I first ran for Congress, I would bump along at uh, 2% of the polls and end up winning. When I first ran for governor against the incumbent governor, I was bumping along at a low number and things begin to take off. You just never know in the world of politics. So there you have it. You just never know in the world of politics. By the way, Alaska is now the fifth state to cancel its Republican primary. Arizona, Kansas, Nevada, and South Carolina are the other four to cancel Republican primaries or caucuses. And now a reminder that tonight, Business Insider is hosting a Republican primary presidential debate. Sanford will not attend, nor will President Trump. But the debate will feature former Massachusetts Governor Bill Weld and former Illinois representative and talk radio show host Joe Walsh. The debate takes place tonight, that is September 24th, from 7 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. It'll be streamed on the Business Insider Today show on Facebook Watch, which, to be super-duper honest, I have never even heard of. The other way to watch is just to go to businessinsider.com at the relevant time and stream it there. Now, I don't know much more about the debate, since Business Insider has not released a whole lot of info. Like, I don't have a sense of whether there will be time limits, or what those might be, or how rebuttals work, or whether audience members are asking questions, or what. 
The only other info I have is the list of moderators. Reading here from a Business Insider article by Grace Panetta, quote, The debate will be moderated by Insider Inc.'s founder and CEO Henry Blodgett, politics editor Anthony Fisher, and columnist Lynette Lopez, end quote. So again, if you are curious about the Republican primary, this is the first big event of that race, and I sure hope there are good highlights tomorrow. Today, Senator Bernie Sanders unveiled a new proposal that's similar to one of Senator Warren's key plans. It's a wealth tax aimed squarely at billionaires and their assets. While Warren is best known in this cycle for this idea, the Sanders plan goes a bit further, with higher rates and way more people affected. Okay, so what specifically is Sanders proposing? Well, reading from a New York Times article by Thomas Kaplan, quote, Mr. Sanders of Vermont would create an annual tax that would apply to households with a net worth above $32 million, about 180,000 households in total, or about the top 0.1%, according to the economists who worked on the plan. He would create a 1% tax on net worth above $32 million, with increasing marginal rates topping out at 8% on net worth over $10 billion. For single filers, the brackets would be halved, meaning the tax would kick in at $16 million. By contrast, the wealth tax proposed by Ms. Warren of Massachusetts would apply to households with a net worth above $50 million, an estimated 70,000 households in total. The structure of her plan is simpler. She would apply a 2% tax on net worth from $50 million up to $1 billion and a 3% tax on net worth above $1 billion. Unlike the Sanders plan, the tax brackets would be the same for married and single filers. End quote. The Sanders plan is so large, it is projected to raise $4.35 trillion over the course of a decade. Just to put that in perspective, the current national debt is roughly $22 trillion. Not deficit, debt. The national debt. So this extra tax money would be a huge amount. By comparison, the Warren plan would raise an estimated $2.6 trillion over the same period. That's not exactly pocket change either, but it is lower. Reading again from the Times, quote, The Sanders plan is really pitched at the idea that we don't want billionaires and decabillionaires to be billionaires and decabillionaires for as long as they currently are, economist Emmanuel Saez said. It's going to erode their fortunes much faster than the Warren wealth tax. Mr. Sanders included several steps in his plan to enforce the tax, including creating a national wealth registry, increasing funding for the Internal Revenue Service, and requiring audits of many taxpayers who are subject to the wealth tax, including all billionaires. End quote. Sanders says he would use the extra tax revenue to pay for the housing plan he released recently, plus as a partial payment for Medicare for All. It was actually on the list of possible funding sources for Medicare for All when the bill was first introduced. Meanwhile, there are significant hurdles for both the Sanders and Warren wealth tax proposals. The U.S. Constitution has some things to say about how the federal government may tax its citizens, and an asset tax is honestly in kind of a gray area. Reading from the 16th Amendment here, quote, 
the Congress shall have the power to lay and collect taxes on incomes from whatever source derived without apportionment among the several states and without regard to any census or enumeration. End quote. So, income tax, not asset tax. Now, there are other bits in the Constitution that suggest a tax on assets is possible. These were originally envisioned in the context of slave-owning states where the assets in question were people. So depending on who you ask, that bit of the Constitution might work for this, but in his proposal, Sanders hints that the Supreme Court would likely have to consider the issue. He also says he thinks it's likely they would agree that it is constitutional. Well, I know one way to find out. So basically, you would need to pass a major new tax law to enable a wealth tax in the first place, and that would at least have to get through the House and the Senate. So if either of these proposals is going to happen, Democrats would need control of not just the presidency, but also both houses of Congress. And it's likely that the Supreme Court would get involved as well. And last up, today happens to be National Voter Registration Day. And while I assume that many of you listening to this are registered to vote, this would be a great time to make sure. Sometimes these things expire, or if you move, you have to update some stuff. Just take a minute and check, because, yeah, there might be a local election this November that might have real issues for you to vote on. Also, if you've never voted before, and you're just not sure how to get started, today is the day. It is not hard, you just fill out a simple form and away you go. Now, while there are many ways to register to vote, I recommend just popping over to vote.org, which is a nonprofit that promotes voter registration. On that site, you can fill out their form, which does sign you up for some kind of email and text alerts from them, or they have direct links on their site to every state's official sign-up form and every state's official check your registration status form. As far as I know, none of those state forms sign you up for any email or texts or anything. They just sign you up to vote. So if it were me, I would use the vote.org site to help find my local form and then just fill that one out. If you're not into the whole vote.org thing, there is a link in the show notes to usa.gov, which is a real U.S. government website and has a ton of voting resources. But the forms are a little harder to find. On the bright side, it does have links to resources like the National Mail Voter Registration Form, which is available in a total of 15 languages, plus voters guides in 10 languages. So if you're looking for non-English voting information or things you can do by mail rather than online, USA.gov is the place to be. So I just checked my status in Oregon, and yes, I am registered to vote, and they will be mailing my ballot to my house sometime next month. Oregon is 100% vote by mail, and yes, that is awesome. Turns out there is a special election on November 5th, 2019 in my district, so I'm going to get to vote. Good to know today that I've got that taken care of. Well, that is it for one more episode of the Election Ride Home. I have been your host, Chris Higgins. You can always find me on Twitter, at Chris Higgins. Well, in the outro, I'm sure you're noticing that there is one big story I'm not covering today, and that's the Ukraine slash Trump slash Biden slash whistleblower stuff. The reason I'm not covering it for now is that it is developing so fast that anything I say will be out of date by the time you hear this. Meanwhile, hold your pets close, check your voter registration status, stay hydrated, and think about running for office, maybe. As always, thanks for listening, and I will talk to y'all tomorrow. Tomorrow.